Good morning, New Life Church. Man, hey, it's good to be in Fayetteville this morning. I, I always love when I get a chance to come up here a couple of times now. And, and I know Andrew already talked about it a little bit, man, but I know the Thombolis are missing being here today. They got a couple of sick kiddos, like he said. And man, don't you guys like love your pastors around here? You guys, there's some amazing pastors, seriously, just some of the best around. And uh, we love them. My wife and I certainly love them and, and are praying that everybody bounces back quickly. And man, if I hadn't had a chance to meet you before, uh, my name is Nate King. My lovely wife, Jamie, and I, we have the awesome privilege of being a part of the Conway team, their Central Arkansas team. And in fact, we have a family picture we're going to show you, but uh, one of the, some of the stuff I do around, around the church is I get to lead our men's ministry for the Conway campus, but I also get to be the director for our school of ministry across the whole state. And so if you've ever been interested in being in ministry and want to, want, want to know what like the next steps could look like for you within our church, man, come visit with me out in the lobby after the service is over. I'd be happy to talk to you about that. But I did bring a family picture because it helps to see this rowdy bunch and some of my stories will make a lot more sense. So I am married to Wonder Woman, as I like to call her, the real deal, not the pretty imposter from the movies, and uh, she didn't get to make the trip with me this time, but there she is. And then our four kiddos, uh, in, in order of oldest to youngest, from right to left, is Ethan, Jonathan, Matthew, and Anna. And while you'll notice in the picture that the stature declines, the orneriness just ramps up, I'm just telling you. So that, that's, that's the real deal, so... But I, I'm really pumped to be here this morning in Fayetteville, and I love this time of the year. I love the holiday season. Does anybody else love this time of year, like Christmas and Thanksgiving and, and all the things? And I hope, I hope this year that you had an amazing Thanksgiving. I know we're a little over a week out from that now, but man, just all the things that we get to do during this season of the year, practicing gratitude. I'm a big-time hunter, so I love spending time out in the woods deer hunting with my dad. And this year, I got to do that with my oldest son as well. I love, I'm a kid of the 80s and 90s, so I love, love, love Razorback basketball. Anybody else in here like that? I figured probably. Um, so I do a lot, I watch a lot of basketball during this holiday season. And I'm going to be completely honest with you, I nap through a lot of football. Uh, you do with that whatever you want. But <laughs> then, of course, because it's the holidays, we eat like crazy. Now, Pastor Seth told me that if I was to ask you a question and ask for some participation, that you guys were really good at that around here. I hope that's true. So in just a second, I'm going to ask you a question. And before I tell you what the question is, here's how it's going to work. I'm going to ask you a question. Then on the count of three, you're just going to all yell your answers at the same time. Can you do that? Yeah. Okay. Here's the question. What, what is your favorite holiday food? Like Christmas or Thanksgiving, what's your favorite holiday food? Okay, you're going to shout the answer at me on three. One, two. You guys aren't going to leave me hanging, right? That would be really awkward. I'm already a recovering awkward person. So, okay. One, two, three. Awesome. I heard it. I heard a lot of things. Heard like ham, turkey. Pretty sure I heard boiled eggs. Not boiled eggs. Deviled eggs. We can't endorse that from up here. But anyways, um. <laughs> man, what I love about this season is there's always enough around my family's table. In fact, there's usually more than enough to satisfy. But if we're going to be honest, and we need to be honest, we're at church, <laughs> is that uh, there's a lot of people in their lives that are struggling right now, right? And, and maybe in here, that's you. Maybe you're struggling. Maybe somebody that's a loved one or a friend or a family member, somebody you care about deeply is struggling right now. We don't want to blow by that during this season. We certainly want to acknowledge it, but we also want to take a moment just to be thankful during the season. So we celebrate big at Christmas, at Thanksgiving, like we we celebrate and we honor and we show gratitude because we have what we need and often we have more than what we need and we honor Jesus in this season because he is both our internal and eternal source of satisfaction. 
And so here, here's what we're gonna talk about today. If you're taking notes, if you're a note taker, you write this idea down, because this is what we're gonna, you're gonna hear this over and over and over again. Here's the idea. Only Jesus satisfies. Only Jesus satisfies, okay? So I wanna ask you a question before we get into the scripture, and that's, um, I, I wanna know who the crazy people are in here, first of all. So like, who are the people who really like the cold? Yeah, you guys are nuts. I'm, I'm a complete pansy when it comes to the cold. I'm just gonna be honest with you, all right? It was cold this morning when I came out of that hotel room. Man, dude, I gotta like run my car for 15 minutes just to be able to get in it and not die. But <laughs> so last Saturday morning, I walk out of my house. It was cold in Conway last Saturday. I walk out of my house and there my wife is standing at the end of the driveway in her running gear in the freezing cold with her friend. And my wife takes off walking in one direction with her friend in the cold. I took up walking in the other direction to get in my car in the heater <laughs> to go buy donuts. You know, we, we just like, we're different. Um, we both like different stuff on, on a Saturday morning. My wife likes to exercise in the freezing temperatures. I like to go get two old fashioned blueberry cake donuts. Somebody knows what I'm talking about probably around here. <laughs> but whether you prefer exercise or both, or maybe you're chasing after something else or something different, here's something from the psalmist that I think we all can cling to this morning, okay? It's Psalm 34, verse eight. Let's read this out loud together when they put it on the screen, all right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, if you're here today and you know that God is good, can I get an amen? amen? But I wanna ask you this morning how your life is going for you in these things. Like, like are you satisfied? And anytime we get a, a room or a building like this full of so many people, it's just inevitable that somebody in this place, you're not satisfied like at all. Maybe, uh, maybe you sneak off to your computer at night because you're not satisfied in your marriage. Or maybe you recently crossed some kind of boundary at work because you're not financially satisfied. Listen, that's not gonna satisfy you either. Satisfaction is something that only happens on the inside. It can never happen because of outside factors. In other words, accolades can never satisfy. I love accomplishing things. I'm a doer. I like to check things off my list, but accolades and achievements and accomplishments will never satisfy. You guys remember... Tom Brady, man, like the most, one of the most successful guys to ever play in the NFL. Y'all remember the first time he retired? Right, he helped kids with math homework for one week before he decided to go back to getting hit by the biggest people on the planet. <laughs> but accolades, they just, they can't satisfy. Careers are good. I love my career. Stuff is fun. I like having stuff as long as my stuff doesn't have me. Friendships and, 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 and uh, relationships, they're critical. All of that is so critical, but only Jesus really and truly and completely satisfies. And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 6 this morning. Um, if you have your Bible or your app, we're going to be reading verses 30 through 44. I'm going to be reading from the Message Bible this morning, okay? It'll be on the screen, or you can flip over to that translation if you have like the, the Version Bible app. I'll give you some quick context before we start reading, though. If you don't know, the gospel of Mark is Peter's version of the account of what Jesus did in his work and, and ministry, okay? Uh, Peter was Jesus' like right-hand man, and then John Mark was one of his disciples later, so he writes the story down, and that's how we got the gospel of Mark. But right before the story that we're going to read, Jesus had just sent out his disciples and his friends to go out and preach and teach all throughout the land. They had all just came back from that. They were really tired uh, from their journey, and then we pick it up in Mark 6 verse 30. Let's look at it together. 
The apostles then rendezvoused with Jesus and reported on all that they had done and taught. Jesus said, come off by yourselves. Let's take a break and get a little rest. For there was constant coming and going. They didn't even have time to eat. Like these guys, man, they were tired. Jesus knew that they were zapped. He knew exactly what they needed to do. So his suggestion to them was, hey, let's hurry up. Let's get away. We need a break. What did we just read that it said? They didn't even have time to eat. Like that's when you know you're busy. If you've ever worked so hard that you forgot to eat lunch, you know exactly how these disciples were feeling in this moment. Let's read on. So they got in the boat and went off to a remote place by themselves. Someone saw them going and the word got around. From the surrounding towns, people went on foot running and got there ahead of them. These people ran on foot to hear Jesus. Like, I'm so glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you love our church, but probably none of us are gonna get up next Sunday morning and run to get here. It's probably not gonna happen. These people ran to Jesus. Hey, elbow your neighbor, ask him, you wanna run with me next week? <laughs> Let's keep reading. When Jesus arrived, he saw this huge crowd. At the sight of them, his heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd, they were. That's, don't miss that, man. His heart broke. Like sheep with no shepherd, they were. He went right to work teaching them. This is how I know like, I'll never be as kind as Jesus. I'll never be a pastor quite like that. Because if you show up in the middle of my vacation, compassion is probably not the first thing I'm thinking of. It's not going to be what's on my mind. But Jesus loved this crowd Look at what happens next. When his disciples thought this had gone on long enough, it was now quite late in the day, they interrupted. We are a long way out in the country and it's very late. Pronounce a benediction and send these folks off so they can get some supper. Peter and the boys are like, Jesus, give an altar call and let's go to Cracker Barrel. I mean, it's just, that's, that's what they said. But do you remember what it said at the very beginning of the story? They didn't even have time to eat. In other words, like they're hangry. They're not hungry anymore. They've elevated it to the next level. They're like hungry, angry. And all of a sudden now, Jesus is gonna ask these guys to do for others what they hadn't even yet had time to do for themselves. Look at what it says. Jesus said, you do it. Fix supper for them. Jesus told his friends to solve the problem. And there's a good reminder in here for us that every time that we point out a problem to God, there's always three fingers pointing right back at us. It's important to remember. And this happens to me like, like way too often. I wanna send somebody on their way so God can fix their problem. And God is like, dude, I sent them to you. <laughs> Has that ever happened to you? You ever had like a you do it moment with God? I think we probably all have. But did you respond like the disciples do in this story? We're going to learn three quick things from them in a moment, the way that Jesus challenged them. But first, let's look at how they responded to Jesus. They replied, are you serious? You want us to go spend a fortune on food for their supper? But he was quite serious. I love that these guys, like they, they thought that Jesus was messing with them. This is such a good insight into Jesus's sense of humor. But the three things quickly that we learn from Jesus' challenge to these guys, the first one is the fact that, that Jesus knew they didn't have the resources to feed this huge group of people. 
The second thing we learn is the truth that Jesus knew they needed his help, but he still wanted the disciples to be involved in what was about to happen. And the third thing we learn pertains to us in that Jesus, he will routinely ask you and I to participate in something beyond our means because Jesus himself is our means. Well, what does that even mean? What it means is that Jesus, he loves for his friends to participate in his work. Like, we don't do it, we witness it. Jesus does it, and his work satisfies because only Jesus satisfies. Well, let's read what happens next. Jesus asks them, how many loaves of bread do you have? Take an inventory. Oh, that didn't take long. Five, they said, plus two fish. They're like, we got some Wonder Bread, a couple of cans of tuna. This is a lot like uh, lunch when I would go fishing with my dad as a kid. Jesus got them all to sit down in groups of 50 or 100. They looked like a patchwork quilt of wildflowers spread out on the green grass. If you've ever been to a concert on the grass, maybe over at the Amp, this is what this looked like. This huge crowd of hungry people. But they came to Jesus hungry for more than food. And I'm so convinced that that day they were about to leave satisfied by something that most of them would never be able to articulate or describe because only Jesus satisfies like that. Look at what he did for them. He took the five loaves and two fish, lifted his face to heaven in prayer. He blessed, broke, and gave the bread to the disciples. And the disciples in turn gave it to the people. He did the same with the fish. Okay, well, question, why did Jesus feed these people? I have a really deep theological answer for you, okay? You ready? Jesus fed these people because they were hungry. It's that, it's that simple. He remembered a moment in the desert when his enemy came to tempt him. In fact, when I was here in May, I taught on this. It's in Mark chapter four, a couple of chapters earlier. Ultimately, Man, Jesus, when he was depleted and when he was tired and when he was hungry, he remembered this. Jesus, he knows that enticement follows emptiness. Enticement follows emptiness. Like you're gonna always be tempted. You're gonna always be enticed that place in your life where you are empty. If you're lacking intimacy, you are gonna be tempted with lust. If you're lacking like financially, you're gonna always be tempted with financial dishonesty. If you're lacking emotionally, you'll be tempted with toxic relationships. And if you're lacking spiritually, you're gonna be tempted with false idols. Like in other words, you're gonna always be tempted in that spot in your life where you are empty. That's not the only place that you'll be tempted, but that place place where you're weak in your life, that is where your enemy of your soul is going to come after you. And all of us in this room, we need spiritual, emotional, and mental nourishment too. Like it's hard to do the right thing when we're empty. If we're hungry, man, if we're fatigued or if we're anxious or if we're afraid or angry or doubtful, like when we're trying to live off the wrong thing. And if you're trying to live off the wrong thing in this room this morning, man, you are in trouble. Because only Jesus satisfies. So Jesus, he stares out at this crowd of thousands of people. And he saw thousands of people who were hungry for a real move of God. People who really wanted to encounter what God wanted for them. How God loved them and his plan for their life, his purpose for their life. They were tired of all the fake stuff they'd been spoon fed back in the temple. And he fed them the word of God because he had compassion for them. And then he filled their bellies too. And I love in John 10, 10, Jesus, he laid out the plan of the enemy so clearly. And then he tells us like what he wants for us too. What did he say in John 10, 10? He said, 
The thief comes only, so like the only reason why the enemy shows up in your life is to steal and kill and to destroy. But Jesus said that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Like you have an enemy of your soul that is just totally and completely bent on robbing you until you are empty, killing any kind of joy in your life and destroying every good thing that God has done for you. But Jesus wants you to experience the fullness of life with him. And to avoid emptiness, we have to stay satisfied in the abundant life that only Christ brings. It's not measured by dollar signs or like material wealth or the social economy. Man, it's, it's a life of meaning and purpose and joy and the fruit of the Spirit at work in your heart. So Jesus is so cool in this moment, in this story. He's helping the crowd, right? But at the exact same time, he was teaching his disciples, and so he prays this miraculous prayer over some kid's lunch. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this or considered this, but I've thought about this a lot. Like, what in the world did Jesus pray right there? You just think about this. this is the, it's the, you know, it's the most incredible prayer in all of human history. It probably wasn't rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub, let's eat. <laughs> but what in the world did Jesus pray here? Peter was so hungry in this moment, he couldn't remember what Jesus said. <laughs> Instead, he remembered what Jesus did. And there's a really important note in there for you and I. People aren't going to remember what you say, but they will remember what you do. So what do we do with that? Well, what if instead of like lobbing Bible verses at them like Christian hand grenades, we showed up in their lives with baskets full of what Jesus wants to satisfy their soul with? We learn how Jesus satisfies by looking at what he did in the story. So we're going to recap it pretty briefly, and then we'll read the end. But the first thing that Jesus did in this moment in the story is Jesus blessed the meal. He blessed the meal. What do you need Jesus to bless in your life? Man, what do you need him to bless? Where are you empty? The truth is Jesus might not give you what you want. He might not. But I am so completely convinced that when you bring your life to him, he will give you exactly what you need. There's been a lot of times in my life where I thought I wanted one thing. God gave me something completely different. Guess which one was better for me in the long run? <laughs> Every time. Jesus, he blessed the meal. The second thing that Jesus did in the story, Jesus broke the meal. Jesus broke the bread. He broke the fish. Jesus, in this particular instance, he couldn't feed 5,000 people without breaking some stuff. In other words, he had to break it to make it. And sometimes I think you and I, we get so caught up, so busy in our life, hoping that God will just keep everything in our life completely whole and intact. But maybe, maybe he really just wants us to have what we need. So something has to break. I've lived through some broken promises in this life in, in order to learn what trust is. Man, I've lived through some, some broken dreams in order to learn what hope is. I've lived through some broken moments in my life to learn what peace is. I bet I'm not the only one in here. Pain hurts, right? Like, duh, Nate. But sometimes it's exactly the teacher that we need. Like, what, is, what, what does Jesus need to break in our lives? Jesus, he broke the meal in order to get the people what they needed. Man, what does he need to break in your life in order to get you what you need? Broken moments rarely feel like blessings at the moment. But if, everybody say if. Man, if, if you let him 
Jesus will use your pain to show somebody else his promise for their life. So Jesus, he, he blessed the meal. And Jesus, he broke the meal. Then Jesus, he gave the meal. But here's what's been really curious to me over the years. If you look back through the verses we read, who did Jesus give it to? He didn't give it like to the crowd that ran all the way there to get to him. Jesus gave it to his friends. Jesus gave the meal to his disciples. They gave it to the crowd. Listen, Jesus has to bless it. Jesus has to break it. But church, so often I am so convinced that Jesus, he wants you to be the one to give it. Man, he does the blessing if the blessing is needed and he does the breaking if, what bre if breaking is what's needed. But he gives it first and we just give away whatever he gave us. We've seen that in action across the state recently through our Thanks Serve outreach. It'll happen again in this season with the Christmas small. We just show up and we give first or we give away whatever Jesus gave us first. God's economy is so cool like that. But look at what happens next in this story in verse 42. They all ate what? Their fill. They all ate their fill. Everybody was satisfied. Tell your neighbor, best fish fry ever. <laughs> so the disciples, they, like, they finally get to eat and, and in just spectacular fashion. And in verse 30, uh, 43 and 44, it says, the disciples gathered 12 baskets of leftovers. More than 5,000 were at the supper. You know what I find remarkable in this story is why did people have baskets with them? Why did they have baskets with them? They thought about bringing a basket, but they didn't bring dinner. Or maybe they had already eat whatever it is they had brought on the, on the way. Or maybe they came expecting something to happen. They came expecting something from Jesus. Listen, every day I want to live my life expecting something from Jesus. I want to bring my empty vessel and let him fill it up. Lord, like do something remarkable. Fill up my basket, Lord. But why was this story, why, why is it important? Like what's at stake for these people, what's going on here? First of all, their life is on the line because they ain't got any food left. That's pretty important, right? But also their religious identity and included in that is, is their cultural and their national identity. These people who ran out into the wild to encounter Jesus, they were facing some major crises in their life, crises of faith and identity and purpose. And we're gonna read it one more time, Mark six forty-two. This is the NIV Bible. Read this out loud with me. It says, they all ate and were satisfied. They were satisfied. The people followed Jesus out into the wild to hear the truth. Why? Because the pretenders back at the temple had left them empty. And if you think about what's at stake for them, there was so much, man, financial stuff and social stuff and emotional and spiritual. And Jesus, he satisfied all of those things. And the people in this story who came to hear Jesus, they were more clear about what they needed in their own life than Jesus' disciples actually were. Think about this, man. The disciples, they're just worried about food in this story, getting some rest. But I want to ask you, who are you in this story? Are you, are you the crowd? The crowd, they ran to Jesus. And there's seasons and there's times and there's moments when we encounter things in our life that leave us in a place we must be desperate to run to Jesus. Or are you the disciples? The disciples, they wanted to rest with Jesus. And there are certainly seasons in our lives where we have to be able and willing to rest with Jesus. 
but both ate their fill. Both were satisfied. The crowd that ran to Jesus and the disciples who rested with Jesus, they were satisfied with Jesus because only Jesus satisfies. I have four kids like you saw on the screen a moment ago and the other day they were playing in, in this back room and every parent in the house or grandparent or even babysitter will understand this. They were getting along, but you know how kids can be sometimes when they're ornery. They were doing okay at this moment. They were playing and, and all this. And all of a sudden out of the back room, I hear, I'm not satisfied. I'm like, how do you even know that word, first of all? <laughs> but I think we've all been there probably, right? Like when was the last time you thought that in your life? I'm not satisfied. There's probably, there's probably a lot we could be dissatisfied with if, you know, if we started talking about it. And I don't know your circumstances. I know mine. The reality is that life is just hard sometimes. Amen? We could all list a lot of struggles. But I don't want to talk about, like, what we're not satisfied with. I want to, for a second, let's talk about what we are satisfied with, like where our satisfaction comes from. And more specifically, what happens in our life when we become satisfied with the wrong things. When we're satisfied with the wrong things, eventually we're no longer gonna be satisfied at all. You're like, Nate, that's common sense. <laughs> okay, but yeah, let's take a moment to acknowledge how this can play out. Sometimes what happens when we're chasing after the wrong stuff is we pursue this like arbitrary sense of happiness or satisfaction. Like sometimes we chase stuff or accolades or, or whatever. Like we think we trick ourselves, deceive ourselves into believing that temporary things can satisfy or bring an internal and eternal sense of satisfaction. And that's never the case. And when we're satisfied with the wrong things for too long, eventually what happens is we're pursuing that in our life. We just, we hit a wall and we find out the truth the hard way. And the moment that that happens to us, it leaves us directionless. It leaves us unsatisfied. It leaves us empty. It leaves us without purpose. And nobody is more miserable than somebody living without purpose or somebody pursuing a false purpose. Another way of saying that is what you aim your life at is where you will go. And when we live satisfied with the wrong things, we're, we're just kind of existing. At best, life like that is dull. Man, at its worst, it's an empty existence. And church, hear me this morning. Man, you were meant to be satisfied in Christ. Real contentment comes from Jesus. Real purpose is discovered through living life, pursuing Jesus. Real fulfillment comes in this life through following Jesus every day. Every day. And Jesus, in this story, he offered the crowd an opportunity to discover and encounter real satisfaction. If they ignored him, man, it would have meant like life as usual. They were already dissatisfied with that, right? Like they came out into the wild to, to find satisfaction and happiness and an answer. They came out into the wild to discover truth and they found Jesus. And you and I, gosh, man, we are living through some wild times right now. It's, it's kind of, it's crazy. You think about like the anger in our world and the craziness of the day and the prevailing sense of, of unrest and emotional outrage and social dissatisfaction and the uncertainty of wars and the violence we see in our world. Like we need something to happen, man. We need a moment with Jesus. And in this story, we see the disciples who needed a moment with Jesus and this crowd who needed a moment with Jesus. And what did scripture say? They all ate 
their fill. They all left satisfied wine. You already know what I'm gonna say. Only Jesus satisfies. What do we do with that? Simple, we come to Jesus. When we're dissatisfied, we come to Jesus. When materialism runs its course and leaves you empty, you come to Jesus. When your career has exhausted itself and you're no longer satisfied with that, you show up to Jesus's feet. I mean, even our families who we love and treasure so much, they cannot satisfy you. And if you depend on them, eventually you will be empty. And when that happens, what do you gotta do? Come to Jesus. If you're angry, if you're doubtful, if you're fearful, or if you are experiencing some kind of just crippling internal anxiety, man, your next steps have to be toward Jesus. The crowd in that story that day, they, they came to Jesus empty, but they took home leftovers. What? <laughs> what does that have to do with you and me? Sometimes people are gonna ask for a miracle and God is gonna send them you. Sometimes, the answer to our prayers is yes. Sometimes he sends a friend. My, my uncle David and my aunt Joanne were just some of my heroes, man, in, in the faith. Loved them very, very, very much. And a couple of weeks before my aunt Joanne passed away in the summer of 2019, she was at the grocery store. Now my aunt was always smiling all the time, like everywhere. I can't think of a single moment in life I didn't see her smiling. And that day in the grocery store, she was shopping and she was a very meticulous shopper. She would know how much money she was about to spend down to like the last penny. She gets in line with all her stuff, just beaming that radioactive smile. That she, radiant smile is a better word probably. That day in that line and this young man's in line in front of her. He turns around, he says, ma'am, I like your smile so much. I would love to buy your groceries. And without, how many of you know, that's a, that's a pretty good day already right there, right? But without missing a beat, she says to him, son, I'm smiling like this because I have Jesus in my heart. That's what living satisfied in Christ looks like or can look like, like the kind that only comes from Jesus. And today there's a really important question we gotta tackle. It's just what keeps me from being satisfied? Like what keeps me from, from enjoying contentment? What keeps me from living life with the joy of the Lord tattooed on my face for everybody I encounter to see? And when we learn the answer to that question, we need to make a change. And for somebody in this room, that could be a really simple or subtle shift. There may be people in this room that, man, it means a drastic change is in order. But here, here's a litmus test. Think about the thing in your life that seems the most important to you right now. What's the thing in your life that you are holding on to for dear life? If that thing so far has left you feeling empty, it ain't Jesus. He blesses, he breaks, he gives, but ultimately only Jesus satisfies told you about my aunt, but my uncle David, who was the other half of that dynamic duo of faith in my life, they, they pastored the same church for 47 years, from 1973 until 2020. And in October of 2020, my uncle David went back or went to heaven to be with Jesus and, and back with my aunt Joanne. And the family called me in the day before, knew he was going to pass away, barring some kind of incredible miracle. And I was sitting by his bedside during the afternoon that day, and he, he would mumble to me. He couldn't speak very well but he would mumble to me. And I realized, or we realized eventually that he was mumbling Bible verses. So I went and got his Bible. I was sitting by his bedside. And when he would mumble some words, I would figure out what the Bible verse was and we would read it together. Or I would read it to him. 
We were singing songs. We were praying prayers. This went on for hours. He couldn't stand up, but every once in a while, he raised his like feeble right hand in worship. And then my cousin brought in a meal for him. And I didn't know at the time, but this was gonna be like his last meal. Nobody knew. And I hadn't heard him speak clearly all day. He just mumbled. But when she handed him or tried to give him that food, he said this, and I didn't know at the time, this is gonna be the last words I would ever hear my hero, my uncle David say. He said, I'll fill my belly with the word of God. Whoa. Let's look at Psalm 34, eight one more time. You're gonna put it on the screen and I wanna challenge you right, in the, right now in this moment to read this out loud with me as a prayer. This isn't just something we're gonna read. Let's read this as a prayer. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, what happens when we become satisfied in Christ? And we stop chasing stuff. We stop chasing after arbitrary, vague, temporary things. And instead, we become anchored in our lives in peace and goodness and kindness and joy and patience and gentleness and self-control, certainly in love. Church, that is what living satisfied in Christ really looks like. And my prayer, my plea to you in this place this morning is if you're not living that out, man, don't wait until your final days to make that your reality. Amen.